0: I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri, and Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and on this podcast, we examine
1: highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is
0: and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus.
1: Well, welcome to the Understanding Jesus Podcast. I'm Daniel, i here with Pastor Troy. All right, all right. Time for another one.
0: And, uh, and this week, wow, what a great week of reading. And I hope that, uh, I'm not going to say it's my favorite, but it's, it's good. Some really it's really good stuff. It is good stuff. It's, good stuff. Uh, it's great. And uh, and so, uh, if you, um, this was one of those weeks, if you get bored and think, wow, we took forever to get through Genesis, or we took forever to get through Exodus, uh t- we went through through we were in three different books this week in our reading and so uh we went through we ended out in judges where everyone did what was right in their own eyes i don't know about you but when i read judges i'm glad it's over mm-hmm. and it's not because it's boring it's like, oh my goodness, this is like as wretched as humanity can get. Whenever I think, wow, times are bad. This is the worst the world's ever been. It's always good to go back and read Judges and uh-huh. think, well, eh, okay, it's been rough before. Uh and uh, and then what an it's an amazing little transition as we go into Ruth and in Ruth, uh what a delightful book. I just don't I just can't think of I uh, I mean, it is one of those – some years I just go through Ruth and other years is emotionally compromising for me because it has so many ama- – it's just an amazing story of, of the kinsman redeemer. And this, this idea that – here you have it laid out in really what's somewhat obscure in the law. Uh, I mean, obviously it's there in, in Exodus, Leviticus. It's Moses is given the law and so forth and talking about you know what happens if – your everybody in your family dies you know your husband dies you have no sons how does how does your how do you maintain what got your inheritance that god has given you and uh, and so we that's in the story of ruth and so we go through that and then uh, and then we move into first samuel and not only have the story of how first Sam, how samuel came to be uh in uh, raised up by eli and all the and, and the neat things that happened between him and god but then we we read through all the way to where we get to Saul, and so uh, we left Abimelech in our last week's reading, which was the first uh, kind of first Quasi-king. king. Yeah, I was listening to the podcast and realized I said uh, a lot of people think that David was David, the first king of right. Israel, and I was like, oh wait, that was, there's Saul. I forget about Saul. <laughs> I kind of just blocked him out of my mind, um, <laughs> as as many of the Israelites wanted to do people as well. People do, yeah. But, uh, the, uh, but Saul is actually who a lot of people think was the first king of Israel, Abimelech was technically the first person uh, crowned king, I guess you could say, Uh, but Saul was the official first king. That's the one that God said, this is your king, and you want a king? Here's a king. And so we get to that uh in this week's reading. And then we get to um, we get through Psalms 52 through 55, we get into Proverbs 15, and then in Luke, uh some great things, Jesus visits Zacchaeus, uh he has his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, Palm Sunday. Uh he cleanses the temple, uh which is an amazing moment in the life of our Lord, uh, which reveals a little bit about Jesus that we sometimes never think about. And he says to us, render unto Caesar all that is Caesar's." What a great uh, time of teaching when they're trying to trip him up here in the last phases. They're really trying to get Jesus into a corner to say something. And he just comes out with wisdom that they didn't expect. And, uh, and they finally just give up. Uh, well, they crucify him. There's that. Uh, and there is the, and then there's the first Lord's Supper, which is the last supper. So all kinds of awesome things. I don't know how much we'll have time to talk about, but we will dig into some things when we come back.
1: All right, we're back. We are in so many books this week, man. We were in yes Judges. We were we pretty much read all of Ruth. Um, we got some 1 Samuel, Proverbs, Luke, all, Psalms. We got all kinds of stuff. So it was, there's a lot to choose from. I tried to pull a little bit from everywhere. Um, I said last week that I was saving something I had overread in the Psalms last week, so I'll talk about well, that at right. some point today. I have been anticipating
0: uh, this. I know, I
1: know you have. You, oh. you, t- you tell me every day, Daniel. When will you tell me what you <laughs> were going to so say in the Psalms? So looking forward to
0: this podcast. <laughs> uh,
1: but I'm not going to start with it. I'm going to save it. Um, my first, just kind of appetizer of a um, of a devotional moment came in Ruth chapter two, verse ten, and this was such like a breather. Such a nice respite from a respite from the uh, from the craziness of judges and the action in First Samuel. There's just a this is nice it was a nice little breather. So, but um has a lot of lots of content in it. And in Ruth chapter two, verse ten, right? You've got Ruth um, meeting Boaz and Boaz protecting Ruth and like something he doesn't really have to do. And according to to Ruth's perception, in verse 10, it says, Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight, that you should take notice of me, since I'm a foreigner? And I just, to me, that, you know, we don't get to attribute every action that the heroes in the Bible take to our own lives, right, when we read the Bible. But in this case, I saw that and was instantly reminded of my status before Christ and um, and had to just pause and say man Lord why did you take notice of me I'm a foreigner right and so it was just it was just a neat moment I kind of related to Ruth in a big way there um, just as an allegory to my own spiritual standing and that he would adopt me as his own for no reason other than the fact yeah. that he cares for me uh, so I it was it was very um, it was it was soothing to the spirit in that moment yeah so, that's my that was my that was my initial thought of of Ruth and reading it. Well, cool, because I'm gonna go with Ruth too, because it's uh I've got, um,
0: I have like five five things on Ruth I think, but um <laughs> I um, um let me start with this, uh Ruth two, which one? What did you read? Ruth? I read two ten. Two ten. Good, because mine's for two eleven and twelve. <laughs> And Boaz answered and said to her, it has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. Mm. It is such an amazing, it falls right in line with what you were saying, that Ruth, uh, had I mean, you look back and say, uh, first of all, my wife chose. I, I was not familiar with the Book of Ruth. I'm gonna be honest. I was 20 when I got married, and not super familiar with Ruth. Uh, which I was in ministry. I'm only ashamed that how little <laughs> I read the Bible. How dare you? But uh, but anyway, I knew. I remember the story basically, but I didn't really read it. Read it. Wait, wait, Troy. You don't have the Bible memorized? I know yet. Oh. Uh, and uh, the um, anyway, so we're getting married, and we wrote our vows. And because as young, foolish, crazy people do, and so I wrote mine out, which were which now are framed up on the wall. So Kim says, remember, you promised. Uh Uh Uh, And uh, every day in my bedroom, it's up (laughs) on the wall. I see it, it it's right above my clothing drawer. So if I get dressed this morning, I remember my promises. But anyway, her promises were actually taken from the Bible. And I, I was like, she was telling me what she wrote down. I thought, that is beautiful. Where did you get that from? And she said, it's in the book of Ruth, you know, and where, you know, Ruth tells Naomi, you know, your people will be my people and your God will be my God. But here's the thing. Well, looking back on that, um, it is – you talk about Ruth is a Moabitess. She's She is in a different land. Naomi leaves her homeland with her husband for work. They, they, they have two sons. They go there for jobs. The sons get married to women who are from that land. They're not supposed to. They do anyway. And so they get married to these women from this land. Uh, their husband Her husband dies. Her two sons die. And then she is left with nothing. And she tells her daughter-in-laws, go back to your people. You know, I'm going to go back to my people and just figure out what God is doing. And Ruth, uh, and and one does, is Orpa or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Orpah. she goes back to um her and then she's like, you know, your other sister in law is gone, you go too. And Ruth is like, no, I'm not leaving you. I'm gonna stay with you. And and Lee and and makes a conscious decision that she is going to go with Naomi to her god now this is the amazing thing in all this is that they go back to this land and she and she is willing she does everything her mother-in-law says to go to this man and to put her trust in him and so forth a man she does not know a people she does not know a god she does not know yet she goes seeking refuge and she becomes the the hinge pin. And Naomi being able to receive the inheritance to her family, she becomes the new, she's like, she is now going to provide an heir uh, for Naomi so that Naomi is restored. And so it's like God looking after Naomi, providing her, providing her with Ruth. God looking after Ruth, providing her with a kinsman mm-hmm. with a with a husband and a, a provider, and God looking after the entire family of uh, Malon, Chilion, and, and I can't remember all their names, but anyway, all the all the men's names are of this family, you know, this heritage, this these people of israel he's saying i'm going to protect this family and maintain this name and it is an important name because it's going to be the in the line of christ i mean they're going she's going to be the grandmother of king david and uh and and then and also then going to be let's see great 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 grandmother Mm -hmm. ruth is the great grandmother of king david and um obed ruth obed jesse yeah She'll be the great grandmother of King David, and uh, and ultimately ha- uh, be of course in the line of Christ because David uh, of course uh, Jesus is from the line of David. So Jesus God has provided and God put this into the law as He was given to Israel. This is how people can maintain uh, their family. And so it, and in the story of Ruth, he you know he goes and, and there's another guy who comes before him. Basically, when you have a woman who 's lost her husband, lost her sons, she has no one to carry on her inheritance, it becomes a responsibility of the closest relative to then marry her and and to then have children by her uh, and uh, and in order to maintain that family line well, Naomi 's too old to get married but Ruth, if Ruth did not come, the line is over it's it 's over but but because of her willingness to come, there she is, and she 's willing to go. And she meets Boaz, and Boaz goes and says, hey, uh, you are the actually closest heir. Do you want this? And he says, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do whatever I need to do. And he's wait, there's some little bit of a thing here. Uh, you have to uh, – you don't just get her land. Uh, you have to marry her uh, her daughter-in-law. And it's like, whoa, I'm out. And so – because he's like, that's going to mess up the inheritance for my own kids uh and so boaz is like oh then give it to me and there's there's a thing it it was supposed to be a thing of shame but it's more just become a ritual where you take your shoe off and whatever and hand it to the other guy but in front of all those witnesses so boaz takes on that role as the kinsman redeemer and as you were saying it is an incredible picture of what christ does for us how he sees us without any hope of any inheritance we have we have nothing I mean, literally, if Ruth had not gone with Naomi, she would have nothing. If, Na- if, if, not only would Naomi not have anything, Ruth would not have anything. And so, here you have just people doing, being, do, being obedient. Through their obedience, God has blessed them and given them this great inheritance. So, yeah, yes. I don't know. It's way more than I wanted to say. That's but awesome. W- one more. Before I give it back to you, because it's one more thing in Ruth. Ruth chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. It said, For the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative, and may his name be famous in Israel, and may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age, for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Mm. What an incredible story of just God's, yeah. God not forgetting somebody. Yeah, that's
1: so good. So good. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, my next next thing I wrote down is in 1 uh, Samuel. Uh, love this book. Love this book. Love this book. Uh, I do like this book a lot. Yeah, it is good. Um, and it's just a real cool origin story of... Um, Hero, we don't think too much of, but in uh, 1 Samuel chapter five, um, we're t- talking about the Philistines taking the Ark, which is just really cool story to me. <laughs> Within the statue, <laughs> and this is devotional aside, I just like the Bible in these moments. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I read is. this for fun. This is a great story. This yeah. sounds like a piece of fiction, but when he takes, when they take the Ark and set it next to the statue of Dagon, Dagon. And it falls over overnight, and then the head falls off, and And then they reattach that. Yeah, yeah. reattach. Yeah, reattach it, and then it's just a stump when it's over. And it's so funny to me to read. Uh, But I love that. Um, But then you read on, and it's oh, this getting. This is more than a couple of symbols of their gods battling. Now God (laughs) is like putting judgment on the Philistines. They're giving them tumors, and he's giving them all kinds of trouble. They said his hand was heavy. On them, which apparently is a real bad thing. Yeah. Um, so, um, just reading that, and um, but knowing that what the Philistines are doing is, if you if you kind of read further back, is um, is judgment on Israel. Um, right. They're they're the instruments of God's judgment. Yet they don't escape their own sin in the process. Right. So to me that so this is the weird way my mind works. Uh, first of all, had super fun super fun reading this, but also. Just because the Philistines were doing something that made God's judge, you know, justice ha- occur, right. doesn't mean that they escaped their own justice on them. And I think for us as Christians, um, we want to hold each other up to a standard. We want to um, help each other um, live the life that they're supposed to live. But understand, some people, um, and I've 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 found this in myself um, on occasion to be true, like being the instrument of God's wrath. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they they like to be the person, and they would never say that. We would never admit that. Oh yeah, I like to be God's hand in, in working this judgment hand. Um, but some people kind of get off on the the drama of it all, on the yeah. on the um being the better one, being the one to bring forth holiness in somebody else. Um, and we need to understand that while God may use us, right, and does use us to fulfill His purposes. Um, if we're doing something outside of his direct, um, what's the word, direct leading, direct mm-hmm. um, command, and just on our own merit, we really run a risk of falling under our own condemnation uh, from that. <laughs> right. And Which is why he
0: tells you to get the speck out of your own eye. Get the speck, speck get out, of the plank plank out of your own eye, sorry. Get the plank out, yeah, out of your own Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so I just thought that was, that was a cool kind of minutiae thing about the way God works, but I'm into the minutiae. Yeah. Uh, so um yeah. i liked it i liked it. it it spoke to me um i like the uh fact that they hooked it up to two uh c- dairy cows yeah
0: and who were well and who were uh had the baby calves and had the calves crying out for their moms and they hooked it up hooked the wagon up to the cows to see if if they turned toward their 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 calves that are, you know, obviously the cows would naturally turn back to their calves and go there. But they said, but if it go, they go the opposite direction and take the ark back to uh, Israel. Then we'll know it's of God. And the cows make a beeline directly to Israel and don't, you know, leave their calves behind. And it's like, oh my goodness, oh, can man. you? It's like, oh wow, it was, it was God. Go <laughs> figure. This is bigger than we are. Just in case, in case this has been a wild coincidence <laughs> with the tumors and the, our uh-huh, God falling, uh-huh. our pagan God falling over. And his head falling off. In case that's been let's let's do this. And uh, and God to the end shows mm-hmm. them. Oh no, this is absolutely. <laughs> I'm <laughs> the one doing this. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, in Luke chapter uh, uh, twenty. Uh 34 through 36 he says, Jesus answered and said to them, The sons of this age, Mary and oh, let me back give some backstory on this. The Sadducees, the Pharisees have been trying to catch catch Jesus in uh, arguments, and the Sadducees did as well. Uh, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. That is why they are so sad, you see. <laughs> 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 and uh and so Uh, So anyway, they try to catch Jesus in this thing, and and so they say, hey, it kind of goes back to Ruth, actually. It makes kind of a – they said, hey, this man has a – gets married, uh, he dies, she marries his brother, he dies, she marries his next brother, he dies, and does this seven times. He's married to seven different men who all acted as kinsmen redeemers according to the law. Uh, so nice little toss back to what happened in Ruth. So they said, so now if there is an afterlife, then whose wife is she going to be? Trying to catch him in something. And this is what Jesus says. as Jesus answered and said to them, the sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are counted worthy to attain that age and the resurrection of the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage nor can they die anymore, for they are equal to the angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. So, without any gray area, there, Jesus boldly says, "Absolutely, there is a resurrection, and this is how it works." But he says some, he gives us some very neat revelation that I think is really cool. Uh, is that one that we are not going to be married in heaven; that we are going to be like the angels. Uh, and, uh, and so, so that kind of throws that in there, but also, um, that, we're never, that we'll never die. And so we can't, he says, nor can we die anymore just as the angels continue to live and go on and so forth. Uh, and we will also do that. But, um, I wrote this the resurrection of the dead has always been difficult to conceive, but Jesus gives us some insight. The tough thing that he says is that those who are counted worthy to attain that age. Sayings like that are always so hard for me because I always fear being unworthy. I am completely at his mercy and pray I am not one who he says he never knew. Uh, The part about being able to die anymore is an attractive proposition. I want to be assured of my salvation. I need to work at my salvation with fear and trembling. If I am obedient to the Lord, then I will abide with him forever. And through His grace and redemption, He baptizes us in the Holy Spirit, empowering us to obey Him, so that we can live in Him. And and now and and while we are absolutely never want to draw away from the understanding that we are saved by grace through faith, and not of our works. That's why we can't boast in the, that. Uh, so it's not what we do, but there is. The evidence, the assurance we have of our salvation that we are going to be resurrected from the dead, that we are going to live from Christ forever, is that we live a changed life because the Holy Spirit works that change in us. And if we are not living a changed life, it should always draw us back to repentance, coming back to him and saying, Lord, change me, make me new to where I can live the changed life through the power of your Holy Spirit.
1: Yeah, so. that's really good. That's really good. Um all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and do the one we've all well Troy's been waiting for and, and requesting for for days. Every day, <laughs> every day. I've been losing sleep over it. No, I wanted to to hop on back to Psalm 51 um, because it was it was the verse after we ended um, last time. But in Psalm 51, verse 16 and 17 is where I'm gonna pick up, and it says um, you know if um, if you're not if you don't know the Psalm 51, it's kind of one of the biggies in there. Um, you got Psalm 139, you got Psalm 23, you got, you know, Psalm 119, Psalm 51 is where David, um, is, has just been confronted by Nathan. Uh, and he is, um, being told that he's sinned and he is just coming to this realization. So what does he do? Of course, he writes a song about it. And, um, it says for, he's, he's repenting to the, to the Lord in verse 16 and 17, it says, for you do not delight in sacrifice. Otherwise I'd give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. And what I wrote down is that God doesn't care for our songs or our acts of obedience. We do these things out of love for him, hopefully, but without the broken spirit and contrite heart, our worship is fruitless at best and offensive at worst. Each of us, myself included, need to seriously analyze our hearts when we enter into a state of worship, and I don't think we do that really very much. You know, we come to yeah. church uh, and we um, we watch a funny announcement video, and we are welcomed, and then we start singing songs, and really very little attention is given to us before we show up. Mm. Um, if if anyone, if the listeners' experience is like my own thinking about and preparing my heart for worship is something that doesn't usually happen when I'm not the worship pastor, you know? Um, And that's that's one of the reasons why I like the term worship pastor instead of music minister or minister of music or something like that, um, song director, because there's so much more in the Christian life to worship than Hmm. the singing of the songs. And if you think you're just singing songs and that's pleasing to God – then the, ho- the canon of scripture will tell you a very different story. Right. Um, and and if your life isn't where it needs to be, and if your heart isn't broken over your sin, and and if you're not prepared to engage with um, the God of the universe on that kind of level that he wants, God doesn't want that. And I don't want to give God something he doesn't want. Uh, right. Or if your works maybe you think that your works are going to put you in that kind of place that you are going to be cool with God but it says your works are also offensive to God these are filthy rags right. without your heart so it's all it is an all inclusive process and i think for us we need um, to really analyze how we approach especially corporate worship um, not just not just for sure what we do as an act of worship, but when we come to corporate worship, singing all together, like we're going to do this Sunday, very excited yeah. for um, several of us are going to get together and be able to sing uh, together for the first time. I know it's really weird to sing at a screen, but <laughs> when we meet together finally, then it w- I think we just, we really need to come ready to interact with God. Uh, yeah. and, and if we don't know the song, we don't know the song. We can still worship the Lord in that moment. If that's we right. don't know, if we don't like our voice, God likes our voice. Right. And that's not about what your neighbor likes or what you like. Uh, so, yeah. um, I don't know. I love the Psalm 51. I love what it says about uh, the heart of the worshipper. Um, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I, and you know, the the thing that David cries out in there is, you know, to to not does not want God to remove his Holy Spirit from Mm. him. And I think that, uh, because that happens in the old Testament, obviously happened to Saul. He's like, don't let that happen to me. He absolutely knows that is a possibility. Um, and I think that should be the cry of our heart always is that God, I, I, I don't want to ever have anything come between me and you, you know, it's, it's a, um, and I, I think the temptation is I, it, when, you know, I also love the term worship pastor as opposed to music minister, music director, uh, because I think that, uh, I, I think there's a place for that, obviously, in, 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 obviously, in the Bible, there were choir directors and music yeah, directors, yeah. but, uh, but as far as, as having someone who's helping us facilitate us being brought into the presence of God, and, and helping us to, to teach us how to worship him i think is the is the key equipping us training us in worship i think is so imperative because we do we do come uh, kind of un- not understanding really how that works mm-hmm. and so forth um I, I, one more thing before we go to break uh, is in Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. I think that's – I think, yeah, I'm still on the right part. I haven't I haven't jumped ahead of verse. Uh, and he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury, and he saw also, also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all, for all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. But she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. Um Last year, if uh, you remember, do you remember what I preached last year? <laughs> do you remember last year's message? <laughs> I have all your sermons, my uh, right. I'm sure you do. It was a message called Purposefully Poor. I do and, remember that title. Oh, do you really? Yes, well, I look, do. Very good. And, uh, and how, uh, it was how we need to have a spirit of poverty and to train our children uh, to be poor in spirit. Uh, and that is such a lost thing right now is that is when Jesus talks about being poor in spirit – it is the idea that i i come to him with nothing uh and he gives me everything and so i my i am completely dependent upon what he gives me and it 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 can it doesn't mean that and i'm not encouraging people to drive a lexus or you know to to show how poverty they are in spirit but it doesn't mean uh in fact i remember uh, a pastor chuck smith the pastor Uh, calvary baptists in california when they were starting to begin new churches he wouldn't let his staff drive a lexus or a mercedes or a bmw because they were status symbols and uh, tony campola once said you know uh, what's a christian he made a bold statement he said christians don't drive bmws he said Mm -hmm. because why do you need a car that goes 175 miles an hour at the speed limit's 55 and it was at the time now it's up to 70 in places so um so (laughs) i don't know that you still need that but the, the idea is this I'm not—nobody's trying to throw judgment at you for what you do, but you do have to ask yourself, why do I have this? What, what is the purpose behind it? Is it because this is what God wants me to use? It, you have to have the attitude. It's not mine. I am just a steward over this. I'm using it for God. If you have it for your own selfish purposes, then you shouldn't have it. Mm. Uh, and, and that's where that's what spiritual poverty is. It's that I if I think I have to have it, well, then I probably should get rid of it um and just have the things i mean i have an ipad and, and so forth i mean we have nice neat little toys and so forth but we had to keep in perspective we use them for god we use them for his glory uh and uh and if it's if i lose it or whatever i whatever he gives me mm-hmm. i use that and so um so it's not uh, it, that's our it goes oh, that goes with our houses it goes with our cars it goes with our clothing uh it's all to be used for the purpose of his glory. And the moment he puts his finger on it and says, I don't think you need to use this, then you need to let it go. And uh, and that's what spiritual poverty is about. That's I, I think we always, when Jesus is highlighting the widow, he's saying she gave everything she had. And I don't think there's an in-between there. I think we have to give him everything we have. Mm,
1: that's good. All right. Oh, let's take a break. Let's take a break. We'll be back. And we are back for the question and answer
0: segment of our show. Which we have been talking about. We did not have anybody ask a question this week. Not a single person sent in a question. Uh, That's right. Maybe they don't know how, Troy. How do they send in questions? They can email me or you, Troy at FBCJ.us or Daniel. At FBCJ.us. Yeah. Troy's a little bit easier to spell. True. In uh, case you get your Fewer I letters. and your E mixed up <laughs> or whatever. You never learned that rule I before you except after C thing. Uh, but uh, uh, so Troy at FBCJ.us, Daniel at FBCJ.us. You can go to our website. Uh, can you go on the website and do it? Is there any you connection? Can,
1: um, you can. Well, you can find our contact info on our website. Okay. Um, you can comment on anything on our website and we will get notified of it.
0: Yes. And if you go on our Facebook page,
1: yeah. There I mean great.
0: which where we are at live right now yeah, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but if you go on the Facebook page and you just put something in the comment section. I mean, you can post it. You can go to comments, you can uh what else is what are the other, a message? You, you can send us a up, message. Send we get us those. Message, yeah. The messages. It, any way you see to feedback information to us, you have private, public, whatever, however you want to do it, uh you get that to us, we'll find it and we will address that question. Um we will address that question.
1: We have our, a live question coming in from Jeff Reed.
0: All right, cool.
1: Um, which we, we we can address in a little bit. But yeah, that's how we that's how we uh
0: that's how we deal with the questions.
1: You, we deal with it. So yes. send them in because this week and if was live. And if you're light.
0: blessed to have our phone numbers, which we don't put out on the podcast, <laughs> but if you're uh, and we do give them out, uh, all our church people should have our phone numbers. So yeah. yep. uh, you can contact the church office. I'll give you that number. That's 543-243-8415. That
1: was. That's and was, accurate. That's so good. T-
0: 573 uh-huh. 243
1: 8415.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. so good. good. You can and, even do this. And so, um, yeah, you can call that number, leave a message on the answer machine. Unless Suzanne answers the phone, yep, she she's the downstairs hand. answering the phone right now. So you could call her up, and she'd run up here and bring us a question. Uh, <laughs> that'd be awesome to see. That would be awesome. I'd love that to happen. We can get Suzanne uh, on this podcast. See, see Suzanne's face in the window, yes. holding up the question. Yeah, but uh, we have that. You can do that, or you can um, send us, uh, or yeah, if you ever, if you have our uh Text, you can text us, a, can text, us, text it to us, us if you have our... Call us,
1: beep us if you want yeah, to reach
0: us. Exactly. Yeah, we, we, there's lots of ways to get information to us, so.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so, but I did, uh, I, was, when, when people don't have questions, I, I come up with my own. Wait, what was, did you have Jeff's question?
1: Jeff said, how about view of rapture in light of Luke verses?
0: Oh my goodness! We were just we talking were just about talking that. About how that,
1: how we how
0: that was not something was that we were e- going to talk about. Our conversation. about. So he, have, he was actually. He's like, oh, they're not going to talk about the uh, resurrection. So uh, that was on the. We were saying that on the. We, we weren't saying that on the podcast. But we were saying, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. All right. Well, here's the deal. Uh, I'm trying to find da, 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 da. Um, the signs of the end of the age in Luke. Now, and Daniel, we we're just talking about this. How um, when Jesus is sharing the signs of the end of the age, especially uh, when uh, this is this is what is an amazing part. And this is and some people will say this is why we know that Luke couldn't have been written before Christ died, uh, that because because he so clearly depicts what is literally going to happen in history. And you're always like. You do know this, we're talking about Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And he resurrected from the dead, so obviously he can tell you what's going to happen. He has this capability. But he says in Luke chapter 21, uh, first he says in verse 5, as some were talking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God. He said, these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left on another that will not be thrown down. That literally takes place in AD 70. Rome comes in, rips down the temple, and does not leave one stone on top of the other as a sign of utter destruction. And he says in verse seven, teacher, they asked him, so then when will these things happen? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? Then he said, watch out that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name saying, I am he and the time is near. Don't follow them. When you hear of wars and rebellions, don't be alarmed. Indeed, it is necessary that these things take place first, but the end won't come right away. A great thing in saying Hey, don't don't jump ahead. And 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 he reiterates this well, well in verse 10. Then he told them nation will be raised up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be violent earthquakes and famines and plagues in various places and there will be terrifying sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things they will hey their hands. Okay, stop there, verse 11. So he said, what do you, if you can understand what Jesus is trying to communicate here, he's trying to say there's going to be a lot of things that happen that you're going to say this is the end of the world basically kind of like today that people start thinking about the apocalypse because we have a coronavirus obviously this is not the apocalypse the apocalypse this is not uh, which only means revelation uh I always get i don't know where we get the end of the world i guess because revelation does talk about the end of the world but uh, anyway the two become synonymous in some way but the uh, but the reality is, is that uh, Jesus has told us there are always going to be things that happen that make you think the end is near. Then he speaks to the people he's talking to in verse 12. But before all these things, they will lay hand, their hands on you and persecute you. They will lay hands, They will hand you over to the synagogues and prisons, and you'll be brought before kings and governors because of my name. So he's saying in the future, there's going to be famines and plagues and destructions. He said before we even get to that— you're all going to die. <laughs> you're all, they're going to come get you, arrest you, persecute you. You're going to suffer. There's going to be suffering that takes place. That is not the end either. And so he says, this will give, and, he's, and then he explains why. This will give you an opportunity to bear witness. Therefore, make up your minds not to prepare your defense ahead of time, for I will give you such words and a wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will even be betrayed by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends. And uh, and so he's, he's saying, be prepared for the suffering that's going to come. And the reason for it is, is I'm giving you the opportunity to be a witness for me. Now, that needs to transfer to everybody. Everything that's coming our way, the focus of end times is never about how do we go hide in a hole somewhere. It is always, how do we go through this and maintain our witness for Christ? that i, I just if the christians could understand one thing jesus constantly reminds us you're not gonna die if they take the breath out of your body if your heart stops beating whatever i'm gonna resurrect you you're 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 uh, uh, immortal i mean because you've been redeemed by me and so so don't be afraid be a witness for me, and as you're a witness for me, and go out and do that, that's why we should respond to anything that happens differently than the world responds. The world should be afraid that it's going to die. If they're not afraid they're going to die, they should be afraid. In fact, he says, don't just be afraid you're going to die. Be afraid of the one who has not only the power to kill you, take your life, but the power to cast your soul into hell. Uh, so we've we've dealt with that. We've already put our faith in Christ, we've been saved, we're redeemed, and so when a plague comes, when destruction comes, no matter what, whether it's, great, whether it's minor tribulation or great tribulation, doesn't matter, our response is always the same. We are witnesses for Christ. We continue to maintain that witness until our lives are taken from us. And when our lives are taken from us, then Jesus restores our life and uh, and in a greater place of glory. But um, then in verse 20, he says, uh, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies and then recognize that its desolation has come near. Now, this is the prophecy of eighty seventy 70 when uh, Rome uh, takes over. It, it literally does, sur- is surrounded by the army of Rome and, uh, and destroys um, uh, Jerusalem. Uh, Then those in Judea must flee to the mountains, those inside the city must leave it, and those who are in the country must not enter it, because these are days of vengeance to fulfill all things that are written. Woe to pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days, for there will be great distress in the land and wrath against this people. They will be killed by the sword and be led captive into all the nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And so that, yes, is the fall of Jerusalem and the time of the Gentiles. Because we're still in it. Um, It always makes me think of a Lord of the Rings reference, you know, the time of men. The time of men. The time of men. Um, But this is the time of the Gentiles, and uh, here we are in it. Um, And then he says there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars, and there will be anguish on the earth among nations, bewildered by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and expectation of the things that are coming on the world because the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these things begin to take place, stand up. Lift up your heads because your redemption is near. Now that is the prophecy of the second coming of Christ. That is at the end. Uh, so so kind of a he's sweeping over a, a, a whole issue of time and saying, Yes, there will be a time where there will be signs to show that the end of all things is near, and um and people will faint from fear and expectation because the heavens will be shaken. Um I think I think clearly when it happens, we will recognize that it is happening. There won't be a, hey, I wonder if this is it. It'll be a, oh, this is it. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And
0: uh, and we'll all be very well aware of it.
1: We said one time, um, and this is very only loosely connected to it, um, but what you just said is you said that when God speaks, like really speaks, it's not, oh, I wonder if God's telling me to do this. Right. You know, and, and that makes sense. Yeah, like at the end of the time, I don't think we're going to be. Th- posting facebook posts like hey hey you may not have noticed but (laughs) that's right i think the end of the
0: the the world's happening yeah i don't think that's how it's gonna go i don't think people are going is this the end of the world i think they're gonna go oh this is the end it is and it's and it is the end of the when we say the end of the world is the end of the kingdom of the world right is as it is the ushering in of god's kingdom it is what we are praying to happen it's not something we are to I mean obviously it is a sense of dread and, and the loss and destruction and so forth, but it is uh it is it brings everything to a conclusion. the only fear that we have inside of us is related to our lack of faith in the grace of god um and, and so whenever you recognize that fear when then that's you need to to deal with that you need to say that that's based on something, either I've got sin in my life that I'm not repenting of, or I've got something that's messed up in my understanding of who God is. Because if you understand who he is as he reveals through his word, and you've repented of your sin, and you're following him faithfully, you should have absolutely no reason to fear. You should feel absolutely secure in his grace and uh, and abide there. Um, and, any, and and he invites us, I mean, if you if you've left that, and you messed up five minutes ago, then he says, "We'll return. Come back. You know, stop, stop leaving me, stop forsaking me, and come back to me, and be restored to that peace, to that rest that I can only give you." So. Yeah.
1: That's
0: good. Yeah. So anyway, thanks for that question, Jeff. Yeah. Man, we were questionless, and somebody man, inter- comes man, in, the intervenes. The Lord
1: provides.
0: The Lord provided. Well. Do
1: you have anything else? Uh,
0: we'll take a break. i We'll, I'll tell you what's coming up next week. Okay. Yep. We'll do that. Yeah.
1: All right, Pastor Troy, what's going on? Well, in next reading.
0: You know, here's the thing. We do this podcast to encourage people to read through God's word, and we hope that you, if you're saying, wow, this was all great, but now I think you've hit all the high points. Obviously, we didn't hit everything. You should go back and read what we read. But if you're wanting to be on track with us and be ready for next week's podcast, here's what we're going to be reading. We're going to be going through 1 Samuel chapter 10 all the way to 1st Samuel chapter 23. Uh, so obviously you can have the reading plan, but like I said, if you want to cheat and not actually have it, but read it. 1st Samuel chapter 10 through 1st Samuel 22. Now let me tell you, that's going to take us through the kingship of Saul. It's going to, Saul's going to mess up royally and literally. And uh, and then David's going to come on the scene and some incredible It is just an incredible book. So, I mean, you are not going to be disappointed if you're reading through 1 Samuel over the coming week. Uh, Psalm 55 through 59, always good. Proverbs 15, and we get uh, all the way to Proverbs 16 to the very beginning but some good nuggets of wisdom there that will definitely benefit you and then we're going to close out the gospel of luke so we're going to begin the process of the passion of christ and so uh it is luke is luke's story of the passion of christ is incredible so obviously walk through that into his resurrection and then we begin the gospel of john all next week so actually we started reading this yesterday and today uh, but uh, but you can you get on it get on the ball and, uh, and then you skim over or whatever but if you have questions the reason we say that is because if you read through that if you're just glancing through it say oh my goodness what does this mean especially get to John chapter 1 and go what in yeah. the world uh, and so uh, just send us that question we'd love to love to answer your question
1: alright alright well yeah this has been fun It
0: this has been a good fun.
1: week a lot of good stuff
0: yes as always
1: as always yeah. This will be fun. We'll see you next time on Understanding Jesus. Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast put on by First Baptist Church of Jackson. If you would like more information, you can find us online on our website at firstbaptistjackson.com. You can email us at daniel at firstbaptistjackson.tv. Or you can find us on social media, First Baptist Jackson on Facebook. And FBCJMO on Instagram. We've got a lot of content in all of those places. And we would love to hear your questions on the content that we cover. If you would like to be a part of the podcast, you can email us and message us at any of those ways. Or you can call the church office at 573-243-8415. And we would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.